Hi, I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. I'm the original Wednesday from the Adams Family series, Lisa Loring. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. This is Brian Zemrak of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host. This is episode 424 of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we have been coming at you one after another, after another, after another of fascinating guests, and this is another one coming your way. Lisa Loring is going to be joining us, and she played Wednesday on The Adams Family. And uh, she's going to give us uh, so much information. It's going to be a lot of fun. Lisa Loring is coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. But before we get into Lisa's interview, uh, I want to remind you that this weekend, Lisa's going to be there at the Hollywood Museum at the historic Max Factor Building. There's going to be an exhibit of child stars then and now. And this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, they will be having an autograph show to benefit a minor consideration. Now, this is an organization that helps child actors and entertainers. And uh, it gets uh, it's just a good thing to do and help out this organization. And uh, hope you'll check it out. Go to the museum, see some great, great, great exhibits and get a chance to talk and get autographs at the autograph show. So, and like I said, Lisa's going to be there and all the people we've been interviewing this week. And um, check them out. And tell them you uh, heard them on On Screen and Beyond. Appreciate that if you do that. But before we do that, we're going to have just a teeny little bit of information coming at you as far as a little bit of uh, releases on DVD. So uh, that's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. All right, a little bit of smidgen of information for you. October 25th, Ancient Aliens Season 9 will be coming your way in a four-disc set. And on September 13th, Quantico, the complete first season, will slide into stores. And Swiss Army Man with Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe will be making its way into uh, store shelves. And that's on October 4th. And that's it. So like I said, our format has changed a little bit because we want to get all these interviews out at you as fast as we possibly can. And it is time now to talk to Lisa Loring, Wednesday Adams, from the Adams Family, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
My next guest on On Screen and Beyond is known around the world for her role as Wednesday Adams on the 60s TV show The Adams Family. She will be participating in this weekend's Hollywood Museum's exhibit, Child Stars, Then and Now, and the autograph show to benefit a minor consideration. It's Lisa Loring. Lisa, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you very much, Brian. It's a pleasure. Now, Lisa, this event that's coming up this weekend, um, the Hollywood Museum and the exhibit, the autograph show and all of that, uh, this sounds like an amazing event. Well, I hope it is. I actually have not seen the venue yet, but great people are running it, and it should be a lot of fun. A bunch of child stars are going to be signing, and it's an exhibit that runs through the end of November of memorabilia, photos, biographies on lots of different child stars. Now, uh, I've talked to a lot of different ones uh, this whole all this week, and uh, some of them are, are having things in the exhibit. Is there anything that you're going to be having in the exhibit? You know, I really wish there was, but unfortunately, my mother and my grandmother have passed on now, and nothing was saved for me. But the Adams family, unlike other things, didn't do a lot of marketing. But I never got my headless doll or things like that <laughs> because the show was canceled. It was about to go to color, just like the Munsters was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. There was whatever happened. And you have to remember how young I was. Right. I did the pilot at five and a half in series six until I was eight through eight uh, years old. And uh, so I didn't get anything. But there will be photos of me then and the whole cast and photos of me because I've done a lot of acting work when I got back into acting in my late teens. Mm-hmm. So uh, the photographs is what you'll see from me, but I know a lot of the other child stars will have uh, some memorabilia from the shows they did. Yeah, yeah. Now, back in the 60s, uh, there it, it just in maybe it's just my imagination, but people were either Adams Family people or they were monster people. <laughs> oh, I have I have a good answer to this one. Go ahead. <laughs> and actually, it's a pretty interesting story. John Aston and I and Felix Silla and Kenny Weatherwax. Felix was cousin it, and of course Kenny mm-hmm. was Pugsley. We're together at. Uh, I think we were doing the promotion for the DVDs that Fox released, the three box set, mm-hmm. and we were being interviewed by many different outlets. And anyway, I compared it to, I said the Adams family was more witty, intelligent humor, like the Marx Brothers, and the Munsters was more uh, slapstickish, like the Three Stooges. And True. John looked at me and said, Lisa, who told you that? I said, John, nobody told, because John Aston tells the best stories. <laughs> I said, John, nobody told me that. He said, you didn't know that one of our executive producers and the head writer, Nat Perrin was his name came to Hollywood to write for the Marx Brothers? I said, no, I had no idea. He said, what made you think of that? I said, I don't know. It just made sense to me. And that's the difference, I would say, is that the Adams Family was more witty, intelligent humor. And it also had the kind of humor. They were a real family unit, and what the Monsters was also. But uh, TV Guide wrote up an interview that called the Adams Family one of the healthiest families on television. Is as weird as they might have been. They were always there for each other. Mm-hmm. But the witty intelligent humor only came from Nat Perrin, who also, like I've said, wrote for the Adams Family. Yeah. yeah. So that's the big main difference is, is was it witty intelligent humor or was it more slapstick? 
yeah. like the like the Three Stooges. It's very true. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, well, if you think about it, it completely makes sense. I had no idea, and John was pretty amused to, that I'd come up with that on my own. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I love them both. So I. <laughs> oh yeah, I love them both too. And Butch Patrick's a very good friend of mine. So. Yeah. Now, uh, how did you get the part of Wednesday? Oh God, that's a long story. <laughs> um, well, I didn't learn until we did the reunion special in 1979, before most of the cast passed away, uh, and that was not good because we didn't have the same writers. We didn't have Nat. We didn't have the writers. We had the original cast, except for Blossom Rock, who was, you know, grandmama, and um, it was it was terrible. So it wasn't just the great actors. Of course, they were more than half of it, but the writing was so essential. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things, you know. I mean, now, I mean, David Levy, another producer, executive producer besides Nat Perrin, at that time, I was 17. He told me, he said, when you came in, it was a cow call, you know, mm-hmm. of girls he was seeing. Yeah. But he didn't know he was seeing anyone as young as I was. I was five, five and a half. I didn't know how to read yet. I hadn't been to first grade. Mm-hmm. And he said, I wasn't prepared for that. But you came in, you know, with your hair. My hair was down to my rear end. And with little white gloves and a black patent leather bag, he recalls all of this to me. And he said, the first thing I asked you to do was pout. And you had that down. And he said, then he said, okay, this is who I am. This is who you are. He had a side, which is a scene from a script. And this is what I say. This is what you say. He went through it once. He said he had planned to go through it a few more times. And the second time, I came back with my lines verbatim. Don't know why. So I learned (laughs) to memorize before I could read, basically. And uh, then they screen tested me. Um, you know, I was one of five girls who screen tested, and Nat Perrin, David Levy, and John Aston picked me. Um, I guess partly because I was so adept at doing the lines, even when I couldn't read, and because they thought I looked a lot like Carolyn Jones. Hmm. Wow. And that's, I had never, that was, I'd been modeling professionally since I was three. A friend of my mother's was. Tom Kelly, he was a commercial photographer who was the most famous for the very first nude of Marilyn Monroe on the red uh, velvet uh, Playboy calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was doing things like, oh, God, Sears ads, airline ads, Perina Cat Chow, newspapers, magazines. And uh, he had said to my mom, she's so well-behaved, so photogenic, and takes direction so well, would you like me to help you get her a theatrical agent? My mom said, sure. And the very first thing I was sent out for was the Adams Family, and I got it. And that's how I remember it being told to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you say, you were young. You were very young at that time. Uh, well, so. Yeah, five and a half when we did the pilot, you know, and six through eight years old when the series, the two and a half so, you know, odd years of the series was done. Yeah. Now, do you re- and you ha- people have to remember that there were a lot more episodes per year back then. It's oh, not yes. like it is now. I mean, so I think there's 66, something like that in total. Mm-hmm. In the two years that it was done. Yeah, nowadays that's like six years. <laughs> exactly, and people go, that's all? Because it's been rerun forever and shown all over the world, and, right. you know. So yeah. Yeah. that's what I can tell you. I don't know how much more I can tell you. <laughs> I was so young, but yeah. I do have specific memories. Well, I was, I was going to ask you, are there certain things that, uh, you know, during the filming or behind the scenes that, that you remember, things that were funny or anything like that? Oh, Sure. 
Oh, God. Well, first off, to start with, my favorite episode was when they put me in a mini Morticia dress and took my braids down because Carol and I were quite, quite close up until the time she passed away. We were both doing a soap opera for CBS. I was doing As the World Turned. She was doing Capital for the same network, but I was in New York. She was in L.A., and we'd remained close, but she said she was, you know, she had cancer. She didn't tell anybody that she was sick. I have photos. She said, when Lisa comes back to Los Angeles to see her family, I want her to come down and see me on the set. And I did, and they took, you know, the, the CBS publicity department took photographs of both of us. And we still looked like mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. She passed away about eight months after that, but she didn't tell anybody uh, except perhaps, the, you know, the producers of Capital, mm-hmm. the soap opera, that she was sick. And... um what was your original question? I get lost in this because my memory is hard to find sometimes. I was so young. You yeah, know. specific memories. Of, of, okay, of well, that, that's one of my favorite. <clears throat> when I was dressed as Morticia, of course, Wednesday runs away from home. And on the set, John and Carolyn were like magic, you know, the, the French, you know, and kissing mm-hmm. her arm. And, <laughs> you know, and Jackie Coogan would fall asleep in a chair and snore. And they'd have to say, cut. And, you know, take a whole scene over because he would just wander off if he wasn't in the scene and sit down in the chair and start snoring. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like the gruff uncle. He was Uncle Fester, but he was like the gruff uncle because, of course, you know, he was the Kugenlaw. I mean, you know, he was with Charlie Chaplin and the kid in the 20s, and his parents took something like $4 million from him in the 20s. Can you imagine how much that would have been now? Oh, jeez, yeah. Anyway, so uh, at that time, you know, we had to go to court and whatnot, and 30% of what we made had to be put away for us. Hmm. But that wasn't much in comparison, and the royalty laws were much different back then. But there were so many things on the set, you know, I mean... I started first grade on the set with a tutor, but the funniest was, you know, I mean, one of the funniest was Ted Cassidy as Lurch. He played Thing, Mm -hmm. unless he was in the same scene. There was no CGI back then, obviously, and his hand would come up through a table. But if Lurch was in the same scene as Thing, it was our assistant director, Jack Vogelin, because he had the next largest hand. (laughs) And um, Ted was, you know, people ask me all the time. I do autograph shows all across the country, and people ask me, you know, were you afraid of him? Was he frightening? No. He was absolutely, every member of that cast and the crew were so good to Kenny and I and the kids made sure there's no horror stories like other kids have. Mm, yeah. I mean, it was just a wonderful environment. They made sure we were happy, that we had fun. And Kenny and I fought like brother and sister. I am an only child. And he was basically an only child also. I mean, he had a stepbrother, but they didn't grow up together, you know, or a half-brother. Yeah. They didn't grow up together. And uh, so it was, yeah, there was, yeah, we, they had to put a partition between us, you know, in the schoolroom because we'd fight and throw things <laughs> at each other, you know. So uh, it was, it was, you know, a, quite an unusual surreal life is back at it i didn't know what the adams family meant to people until i was like 17 and a friend of mine took me to here in los angeles at the forum alice cooper's opening night welcome to my nightmare Mm -hmm. and he took me backstage because he had a friend that knew alice and Actually, this person is, he was the soup Nazi on Seinfeld, Larry Thomas. I went to junior high and high school with him, and he took me, and anyway, it was the press party backstage, 
And Alice came up to me, hi. And I, you know, I'm like 17 and a half, 18. I didn't know what to say to him. And he said, <laughs> hi, I'm Alice. You know, and I said, hi, I'm Lisa Loring. And he popped out from behind me and said, this is the little chick that was Wednesday on the Adams Family. <laughs> and Alice Cooper started quoting lines to me that I didn't remember. Wow. And so, it's such a privilege to meet you and had the press take photos with us. Because up until that time, I was teased. You know, kids can be mean. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They either liked me because they wanted to be friends with me or hated me because they were jealous of me. Right. Because I think the majority of the of the people you've interviewed are, you know, were the first real children actors on TV. Back then, there weren't a lot of children actors on TV. Right. Now, yeah. almost every show. Anyway, that's about all I can really tell you. Hmm. Now, you, you mentioned... Uh, the uh, lurch uh, and and for some reason uh, i mean i used to watch the show all the time but one scene that always sticks in my mind is when lurch was dancing to him. well you know why that sticks in your mind i don't know really <laughs> i just learned six months ago it has like seven or eight million hits on youtube oh really <laughs> yeah i watched it and i went who taught me how to dance like that i don't even remember that <laughs> it's, it's just, and then I have a shop that I sell at the shows, uh, you know, an 8 by 10 of me in a, in a ballet tutu. So the whole family tried to ter- teach Lurch how to dance because mm-hmm. he had a new girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. That, that was just a, a, a scene that cracked me up. I mean, Oh, it's hysterical. And now they put on you know, YouTube all different music, you know, yeah. metal death and what, you know, <laughs> not to it. You mentioned the two of you were taking classes together, you know, and going to school. Yeah, first grade. Yeah. Now, were you, um, a lot of people have told me that I've interviewed that when they were on set, they would have time where they could go off and play and they'd go to other sets. Oh, were, my God. Were there any near you? That Are you, you kidding me? The lot, General Services, a division of Universal that I filmed, that we filmed on, the Adams Family, Petticoat Junction, Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, Mr. Ed, it was like a wonderland because wow. there were so many animals on the lot from little goats to pigs to you name it. It was amazing. And uh, Ava Gabor, Green Acres, always had a little Yorkie in her lap, and she loved to have me come over. I'd sit in her lap, and my mother said to me, look at the ring on her hand. She had a rock that was like, (laughs) I don't know what size, but she loved me, and I'd go over and visit her as often as I could. But there was lots of animals on that lot. It was like going to a you know, a little a mini petting zoo. Yeah. It was great. It was great. Wow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, you also, uh, a big change from being on The Addams Family, you were Cricket Montgomery on uh, oh, yeah. the soap opera. Um, I'm trying to think of which one it was. As the world, As the world turns. Right. Uh, now, the pace of that must have been incredibly oh, different. Oh, my God. Well, I was 21 when I moved to New York, and I'd never been to New York City. And I got that contract role. And I talk about 40 pages of dialogue a night mm. and not knowing New York City, never having been in that weather, being raised in Southern California, and snow, 
and whatnot. I mean, it was it. It took me a good year to get used to it, you oh, know. Yeah. And um, yeah, but I mean, everyone I worked with was great, but it was literally block what they call block and tape. So you'd go to rehearsal in the morning, you'd go down, get go to hair and and wardrobe and makeup, and. Uh, go down and they'd block it for the cameras and tape it unless it was a really crucial scene that they'd take it just the way they got it. And you could have up to 40 pages of dialogue a day if your storyline was heavy. Jeez. So it was quite an adjustment. I'm sure. I, yeah. I, I have so much respect for people who are on soap operas because I can't and remember. isn't it too bad <laughs> reality TV has taken the place of, mo- of most of those soap operas with highly trained actors? <laughs> yeah, and, and reality is in quotes. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, a lot of that is planned, too. They're just a lot less expensive to make. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's something. Anyway, <clears throat> but uh, that's reality TV, but yeah. you're not going to get the actors that you get on a soap opera, right. even... You know, I mean, an hour drama is, you know, two to three weeks to film. Soap operas, you do an hour in a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and uh, reality TV, I don't know how long they take, and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lisa, I want to finish up with two final questions. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to take us away from your acting and also your... Uh, I hope they're questions I will like. <laughs> your days of... of, of uh, uh, you know, uh, being in soap operas and everything, and also being at uh, the event this coming weekend, which everybody should go see to help out the uh, a minor consideration, and also it's see. a very important uh, definitely thing. Yep. Very. But to take us away from all of that, when you sit back and relax now, what do you enjoy on TV? What are your favorite shows now and of the oh, past? God, and your... I think if you if you talk about <laughs> network channels, it's definitely hands down Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods, okay. With yeah. Tom Selleck, who I adore. But actually, it's on my screen right now as I'm talking to you. Hmm. Yeah, because they have it on Ion TV. But it is excellent. The writing is excellent. The acting, Donnie Wahlberg, Tom Selleck, all of them. Oh, yeah. Aaron, you know, the character of Aaron by Bridget Moynihan. They're all excellent. And the writing is superb. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's on network TV. Then, of course, you have HBO and, you know. You know, and the true crime, and I mean, there's a lot of things that I enjoy. Of course, we have so many cable channels these days. I know, yeah. <laughs> and I love the only thing reality I like is I love the talent competitions. I love the voice. Mm-hmm. I love America's Got Talent. I mean, it's just a hoot to watch these people, and when they're really good, it is very poignant. Yeah, you know, oh, it's yeah. really so. I enjoy that. There's a lot more I enjoy, but. Yeah. You know, film is my biggest. Well, thing. I was going to say, what's what's your favorite movies on on uh, film? Oh my God, where do I start? <laughs> do I start back in film noir? Do I start <laughs> whatever you like? <laughs> oh my God, that's a really hard question. I have so many favorites. Uh, one of my favorite actresses ever, of course, was Katherine Hepburn. Ah. The Philadelphia Story with her and Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart. Uh, I did a lot of theater off Broadway when I was in New York, and uh, theater is the actor's you know medium really, mm-hmm. and you know. And anyway, um, God, I mean, there's so many films that uh, where I I don't even know where to start. I really truly don't. I mean, that's one example of a film that was done you know in the early 30s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, recently, I've been loving Nancy Meyer's work. You know, something's got to give. 
with Nicholson and Keaton, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of, which is a throwback to the Philadelphia story. Yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of comedy, that kind of, you know, genre. But, uh, so there's, I don't know, I, I enjoy a lot, but the one thing I don't watch is horror. Okay. <laughs> don't watch horror films. <laughs> and I do so many of those shows where there's the whole audience and, the, you know, the whole people who are signing are, you know, I don't know who any of them are because I don't watch that genre. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lisa, it, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I want to make sure everybody gets out and goes down and see you at the autograph show at the Hollywood Museum, see the exhibits, see all of the great stuff that's in there, and uh, help out a good cause. And I thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Brian, you're so welcome. It's been a pleasure. I would like to thank Lisa Loring for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. What a fascinating guest. A lot of good stories there. And like I said uh, during the interview, you know, some people were Adam's family people. Some were the Munsters. It it depended what you liked, you know. But I I personally like both. thought they were both great shows. And uh, we've had actually guests from uh, both series. So uh, it's uh, interesting to hear about those shows and everything. And uh, Lisa was a lot of fun to watch on there. And uh, we just uh, got to now have a chance to see her at the Hollywood Museum this weekend for their exhibit, Child Stars, Then and Now. And also on Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be the autograph show to benefit a minor consideration. It's a good organization to help. Do what you can. All right. Go see. uh, Have a good time. Well, that is a wrap. Believe it or not, that is our final guest from this event and uh i'm gonna take a break <laughs> because we've just been hitting these out one after another but we will have more episodes coming away season 10 will be coming your way very shortly in september so i hope you're going to be sticking around for that in the meantime listen to all the back catalog that'll take you you know <laughs> if you listen to all the shows you're going to be a while so uh, but we'll have more episodes coming your way very shortly and uh but like i said this is the last one for this special week that we've been having here. So I hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope you'll tell friends about it, and I will see you in our next episode of On Screen and Beyond. So that's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 